Hi, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the World Changers Podcast. I'm your host, Alonzo Malvarez. Before we get into this episode, I want to personally invite you to join a host of World Changers and I for our virtual gathering called Culture Shift. In this gathering, our aim is to equip, encourage, and empower you to effectively share the gospel and make disciples. It's totally free to all of my guests, and it will be such a joy to see you face-to-face. Description and information about the gathering is in the description of where you're viewing this podcast. You can check us out at eventbrite at engageglobal.eventbrite.com. I hope to see you there. God bless you and enjoy this episode. Hey, my name is Alonzo Malvarez, and I am so grateful that you are taking the time to listen to this teaching series, this content that is going to enhance your quality of purpose and calling to change the world and impact society for good. As you listen through these modules, I hope that you glean and gain all of the necessary information that is not only going to inform your mind, but also inflame your heart heart. For this first moment, we are going to explore what it means for God to do the transformational work within us before he does the work through us and in the world around us. So I want you to get ready. I want you to get pen, paper, find a quiet space and tune in, lock in to the content that we're sharing today. You ready? Let's do this. The first thing I need you to know and to write down is this phrase that has been a guiding principle and a guiding light to me in my missional calling in the earth. And here it is. You cannot change the world around you without first changing the world within you. This topic is going to be just a little bit heavier because it's really going to be specifically going to the heart and to the core of our being. And what we're going to deal with is the idols of the heart. Now, within the heart of every single person that exists resides a throne. This throne is representative of the spiritual dimension or the level of what is influencing our lives. Now, there's only one throne that sits upon our heart, and we have to ask ourselves who or what is sitting in the throne of our heart. Before we even go further, take a moment and think what is guiding ultimately your decision-making process. Is it a person? Is it a system? Is it a culture? Is it a thing? Is it a goal? Is it a dream? Is it your own self? My friend, I want to just suggest to you that that throne of your heart is exclusive for one king and one Lord, and that is Jesus Christ. Now, we have to admit that dealing with the idols of our own heart is often challenging. However, it is essential in sustaining our love relationship with the God that has saved our lives. Our 
Connection with God is not based merely on just moral works or religion. The way we connect with God is relationship. This is the consistent theme, topic, subject, and message of the entire Bible. In fact, when God delivered Israel from Egypt and was establishing connection to his people, he first affirms his love towards them. Exodus chapter 20, verses 2 through 3 says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Pause. God makes it clear that he is the one who has rescued Israel from bondage. And his command that follows only makes sense. Here it is. You shall have no other gods before me. It is so fascinating that before the Lord gives forth a command, he is establishing relationship. Oftentimes, religion makes it backwards, where we often think that in order to secure relationship with God, we must go through every hoop and hole and every single obstacle of commands before we get to God. That's religion. No, relationship with God shows us that out of the overflow of his love, that there are commands that are there not for simply restriction, but for protection. And that is a beautiful thing that is great news, that God loves us so much that he is willing to put up parameters to guard our relationship with him so that we can be fully devoted to him. The reality is, is that God did not save us just to submit to him, but he saved us so that we can be in a love relationship with him. For example, a couple that is married understands that marriage is not simply a partnership of I like you and you like me, but the love is secured. The love is guarded with boundaries and standards and boundary lines that says, I love you so much. I am not going to do X. I'm not going to cheat on you. I'm not going to rob from you. I'm not going to abuse you. I'm not going to look at someone else and lust after that other person. You see, these are together in a real authentic marriage, not just for religiosity and for joy killing, but to kill the thing that would kill the joy in the marriage. So now if we fast forward to Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 17 through 18, Moses made it clear what the consequences would be if the Israelites did not choose God, God's design, God's love, God's relationship. He says, but if your heart turns away and you will not obey, but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. If you will not prolong your days in the land where you are crossing the Jordan to enter to possess it, period. Point, fact, simple. Israel would perish. 
their relationship with God, the design that God has for them would be completely, completely rejected, all because they made the decision to draw away and worship other gods. When you think about it, this is the most consistent theme beyond Deuteronomy and the Pentateuch. When you look at the historical books, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, Samuel, the Kings, the Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, even on to the prophets and even going into the New Testament, idolatry is such a tremendous problem that continues to compete for the affections of the heart of humanity away from God. Now, biblically speaking, at the foundational level, idols are identified as blocks of stone or wood wherein their power exists only in the minds of that worshiper. Now, in our modern world, we may not have wooden idols in our culture um, or statues to bow down to. Uh, yeah, there are different pockets within uh, nations that still do that, but we do have other gods whom far too many of us serve on a regular basis. Now, this is what makes this teaching, this conversation that we have internally just a little bit complex because the question now becomes, how does one deal with the idols they cannot see with their eyes? What about the more covert and subconscious people, places, things, and systems that we cannot necessarily tangibly bow down before? This leads us into our next phase of our teaching. And this I want you to write down, identifying our idols. Okay, note these three signifiers. We're going to come back to this a little bit later, but these are three signposts we need to keep in mind in identifying our idols. Number one, attention. Number two, affection. Number three, allegiance. Attention, affection, allegiance. At this point, given that we completely understand for the most part that idols is more than just stone, bricks, and idols made from our hands, we can use this working definition that an idol is any unauthorized person, place, thing, or thought which you look to in order to determine your decisions. Influencing your dedication, your devotion, your decisions, all of this, we have to recognize, again, what is leading, who is leading our life. More simply put, evaluate which things or which people do you rely on to do what only Jesus can do. Oftentimes, when we begin to set our mind, heart, and soul into these goals, these aspirations, these ideas, we eventually grow enslaved to them. And this is why it's so essential before we talk about changing the world again, that we identify and be sensitive to oftentimes the covert attentions, affections, and allegiances within ourselves. So let's talk about the first one, attention. Attention defined is notice taken of someone or something, the regarding of someone or something as interesting or important. 
the action of dealing with or taking special care of someone or something. So here's a question for reflection. What are things that compete for your attention? Is an ideal relationship, self-image, reputation, a lifestyle, a social status, comfort, pleasure? What is that for you? Begin to write that down. Write this down. Whatever consumes our attention will ultimately control our actions. Let's take a look at Psalms 1 verses 1 through 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. I want you to notice there about that phrase, his or hers delight. It it refers to the attention, the focus. What are you meditating on? What are you focusing in? Because clearly it is shown here that whatever you, whatever I delight in, has a direct influence in the way we walk, we stand, and we sit. It's clear, it's evident that our attention grabs hold of what influences and ultimately leads our life. I mean, I can't make it even more plain than than what I just mentioned. When we have conversations of our modern time and a lot of the ethical issues or moral issues that we oftentimes face, we have to know that ultimately it is the word of God that is the standard not only for the world, yes, but also the standard for our own lives and the way that we govern ourselves in the way that we practice and behave ourselves appropriately. And we know that ultimately the word of God is Jesus. Our intentional and deliberate attention is on a person beyond the words on pages and paper It's a person, and that's Jesus Christ. And it is him who informs us and influences and shapes our life ultimately. Think about the beginning of this teaching when I talked about the throne that is upon our heart. That throne ultimately belongs to the creator of us, and that is Jesus Christ. Number two, affection. For a case study, I encourage you to explore the book of Kings, particularly chapter 11, as it highlights the third king over Israel, and that's Solomon. Verse 3 is very fascinating as it speaks to the transition of Solomon's attention and his affections that, as it says, turned away his heart. When the attention of our life is off, so goes our affection. Please write that down because at the end of the day, we have to realize that our attention on what is primary in our life, what is ultimate in our life, our heart will follow after that as well. So affection as it is defined It's defined as a liking or love. So 
when we reflect, think about these questions concerning our own life. Who or what do you love the most? Are your dreams actually God's dreams or just your dream you're hoping God would co-sign and bless? Do you love God more than life itself? Down to even your own purpose. You have to look at it and <laughs> look at this because so many times, especially as young adults, we believe and we have been crafted or formed, if you will, a lot by the secular world. What do you love? What do you like? If you can identify those things, then that's your purpose. But that's not necessarily true when it comes to the biblical point of view of God and the way that he gives our purpose. He doesn't go based off of what we like or what we enjoy. He goes off of what he designs ultimately for our lives. Practically speaking, I've encountered so many and you've probably heard stories too of individuals and maybe it might be you where you went for a career that you thought you liked and you thought you loved, but then ultimately, honestly, you find no fulfillment in it. A person finds no fulfillment in it. They weren't called to be a medical doctor, but because it was something that runs in the family or something that they had a knack for at the time, they went after it and there's no fulfillment. So again, I say that to simply say is that we have to see God Am I loving ultimately what you are designing for my life? Am I ultimately loving you? Because if I love your word, if I love your will, I'm going to love your way. Evaluating our affections is one of the most crucial points here. Because when we can identify what we love, it is quickly connected in knowing what we are devoted to. Is it, are we devoted to accomplishing our goals, acquiring a degree, building our influence? If our affection does not bring us closer to God, it's an idol. Okay, pause, take a deep breath. Okay, exhale. We're almost there. <laughs> you got this. <laughs> Israel, uh, for for the longest of time um, in their in their ancient time till now, uh, uses a declaration called the Shema, and in the Shema, it's it's essentially their pledge of allegiance to the Lord. And the Shema simply says this: "Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is Lord alone. You shall love the Lord God with all your heart." And with all your soul and with all your might, that is speaking to our affections. Our allegiance is not fully allegiance unless our heart is for God. Ultimately, when we look back at Solomon's life at his early reign, I don't believe from what we see his intent to be malicious or ill intended. But slowly, as he went through his life, his heart became more insensitive, going after things that God did not design. What was once a divine gift of wisdom and blessing to not only himself, but his entire nation and the world 
slowly became a gift for self-preservation, self-service, and exaltation. Ezekiel 14 speaks about idols of the heart that are stumbling blocks to the face. Um, Read all of that. Um, It's very, very fascinating. But case in point, the pattern is clear that we must be diligent in addressing the idols and you taking the time to listen to this teaching, to be equipped and to be trained to change the world is going to be a part of that journey as you allow the Holy Spirit to evaluate and reform you. All right. The last one, number three, allegiance. First Kings chapter 11, verse two, Solomon clung to these in love. Verse four, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord, his God, your attention, your affection, your allegiance, it matters. You start being aligned if it's not God, if it's not his word to things that he does not design and he does not desire. And we see that even after the reign of Solomon, the kings of Israel back and forth, back and forth, continued to fall in this pattern of falling in and out of allegiance with God for their own idols in their heart. Friend, here's what I'll leave you with this good news. There is an antidote and the antidote is turning to God in repentance only by turning away from our idols in wholehearted repentance. Can we find healing, wholeness, freedom and salvation? Turn, believe and receive. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10, the gift of God in John 3, 16 is clear. Jesus Christ, he did not come to this world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. In these final moments, I want you to create a space for yourself. Posture yourself in a position that is comfortable for you. As I lead you in a prayer for God to evict the idols from our heart and to infill us with his will, his word and his way. Pray with me. Father, I thank you so much for your amazing love. Thank you so much for not allowing me to be hopeless in this life, but you provided a hope, salvation, freedom in the person of Jesus Christ. I let go of every idol within my life, idols that I am conscious of and idols I am unaware of. Father, help to evict everything in my life that is not of you. Every person, every idea, everything, every place, every attention and affection and allegiance that is not you, I pray that you would make me over again. Father, 
not only am I asking you to evict the idols in my heart and to reset my attention, my affection, and my allegiance, but I'm asking you now to fill me with love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. May my life never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, this has been so fun to journey with you these last 20-some-odd minutes. I hope that this was a great benefit to you as you prepare yourself to go forward and change the world with Jesus Christ. Today is a happy day. John chapter 8 verse 36. So if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. You're not free enough. You're free for sure. Wow. If you just got through praying that prayer of cleansing, of repentance, of turning, of resetting, I'm just so excited for you. And also, if you made it to the end of this teaching, kudos to you. Before you go, I would love to keep in touch with you. Send me an email at engageglobalmission at gmail.com. I'm going to put that detail in the description below, as well as the information to join myself and a host of international world changers for our virtual gathering. Check out the links provided in the description. Join, register, invite your friends to be a part. We're going to come back next week. We're going to go into our classical teachings from uh, our past virtual gatherings that I know you're going to love. Thank you for tuning in. Share this with someone that you love. And remember that God loves you and has a purpose for your life to not only change the world, but to change you forever. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the World Changers Podcast.